0: Well, there are some uh, characters and personalities in this passage, and I'm just going to go ahead and introduce you to, uh, to all of them and just see how that all ties up. So in this passage, we, we see Philip, and we see the Ethiopian eunuch, and we see God orchestrating a plan to get this eunuch introduced to the person of Jesus and ultimately saved. Uh, we can't forget about the very first... The beginning of chapter 20, uh, the verse 26. You know what it says? It says, "Now an angel." So we know that there is an angel happening. How many of you know that when God says an angel to a story of the Bible, something serious is about to happen? He doesn't just dispatch an angel for anything. I mean, he's like, "I need an angel for this." So he makes, he puts some, he sends an email, and then he sends uh, an angel. You gotta go there. It's never a dull moment. So God is about to do something, and he's sending an angel to make sure that's been done. We also see here uh, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is actively in cooperation with Philip. I mean, the Holy Spirit said this to Philip. Philip goes, goes up and do it. So they are in cooperation for the sake of this one Ethiopian eunuch who is from the kingdom of Ethiopia. And just to put this in perspective, uh, the kingdom of Ethiopia back then, it has nothing to do with the the country of Ethiopia now. It kind of like, this This was a massive, massive kingdom. Uh, And and it kind of started out from like the south of Egypt all the way throughout Sudan and the whole entire region. This was like a massive place. So the overall theme that we're gonna be touching on this morning is that while God is in the business of preparing hearts and saving souls, our mission is to obey him, is to preach him, and is to serve his people. So what is this, what is this, if you're asking yourself, what is this angel sending worthy moment that God was ready to do? What is this moment? For that, just if you flip few pages back to Acts 1, Chapter 8, it's not on the screen, I'm gonna read it for you. This is what Jesus has said to his disciples. He says, but you will receive power, this is again Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and then and to the ends of the earth. The entirety of that passage is about to be fulfilled right here. Up to this very moment, there was a check mark next to Jerusalem. Okay, the gospel has been preached in Jerusalem. There was a check mark next to Judea. And thanks to Philip, there was a check mark in Samaria. We know that he went to Samaria and people came to know Jesus. But now, in this interaction with the Ethiopian eunuch, This is the very first time and the very first step for the gospel to reach the ends of the earth. Do you you understand what I'm talking about? I guess you look at me. Do you understand that part? Because the eunuch was not from Jerusalem. He was not from Judea. He was not from Samaria. He was from a different part of Africa actually. So this was the very first step for the gospel to be spread out to all the world. God using Philip through the power of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit to reach out to the eunuch fulfills the promise that Jesus gave. You know what this means to me and to you? That when God promises you something, he's going to make sure it happens even if he had to dispatch an angel or two to see it through. That's his promise right there. I know this stuff from your response doesn't excite you. This stuff excites me. And you have my permission to call me weirdo. You really do, because this stuff, I'm excited, and this is the part that excites me, is that I can, I can, I can look back into church history and say that we are here, the church in North Arbor, we are here, We are just the fruit of something that started in the middle of the desert, in the Middle East, 2,000 years ago with the eunuch. We are the fruit of that, what started back then. So put that in perspective as we uh, uh, go on in this message. And I'm going to just, like, confess something with you. Before we go deeper into the story, uh, I don't want you to make the same mistake that I made for, like, maybe five minutes until I had to read... Uh, The rest of Acts. And uh, and assume that this Philip we're talking about is the uh, Apostle Philip. He's not. The Apostle Philip, he was amongst the 12 chosen by Jesus. But this guy here is a different Philip. He was actually a deacon. He was a waiter. And we get first introduced to him in Acts 6. And he was chosen by the apostles. Okay, give you a backstory of what Philip has been up to leading up to this time here. Uh, There was a dispute, uh, meaning the widows that were, uh, so there were this Christian Jews that spoke Aramaic only, and there was this Christian Jews that spoke Greek. And so these Greek people came back to Jerusalem to resettle. And uh, as people have been, you know, the, the apostles and, and the people who were serving the church back then, they were h- helping and serving each other. So the widows from the Greek background were complaining, they're not getting their fair share, they have been stiffed. There's been this, I don't know, have you guys heard that, people favoring other people? So what happens is that these apostles came up with this amazing idea. So these guys are complaining about these guys. We're going to take seven of these guys and we're going to make them in charge of distributing food for everybody. Just to make sure nobody gets sorted out. So it was an incredible idea. And all of these guys were actually, uh, we call them Hellenistic Jews. I mean Christian Jews who spoke Greek. So just give you back uh, uh, an idea. But then this guy again, he goes on and I feel like feel like uh, Philip's ministry there, uh, waiting on people and serving food to the widows. I mean, God, I think, leveraged that. And God is going to use that, his uh, cross-cultural background and his story and his service for later on, for bigger and amazing things. So follow along. And uh, this is a word for somebody here. Uh, God knows you. Uh, God will incorporate. He will redeem and he will leverage uh, for the kingdom everything about you. Whatever your background is, whatever whatever stuff that you bring into the table, God will use it. Uh, All the ways he made you, uh, all the encounters you had, uh, every experience that you went through, every mistake you have made, the place that you come from, the the, the culture that you call your own, God can and will use it. The only question is, uh, are you up for it? So that said, we're going um, to go to the first point there, which is about Philip's life will show us how we can see the kingdom manifested on earth. And so the first point there, how can we live out a spirit-filled Philip kind of life? Our first point is that we listen to God. We listen to God. It tells us that the, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south. And to the road that goes from Jerusalem to uh, Gaza, this is a desert plate. If, you were, if I were Philip, I would have said no to, to God. You know why? This guy had this ministry. Everything was booming. He was in the city. Things were happening. People are being saved. The church is getting bigger. And God comes and says, I need you to go to where? To the desert. It's like, I'm gonna leave this to go to the desert. He listened to God. I want to be like Philip. Don't you guys want to be like Philip? So let's find out. First he says, we'll listen to God. In order for us to listen, we need to recognize the voice. Jesus famously says in John, my sheep know my voice. So for this we need to be where? We need to be in the word. This is the primary way God speaks to us and nothing we hear from any other mean will ever contradict His word, whether through a prayer or through a prophecy, nothing we can hear will contradict his word. We have to check the source because God still speaks to his people just like he did with Philip. And some of the practical ways uh, we're going to just throw out there this morning for you to help you listen to God is, well, praise God. Like just call out your thanks to God for the little small things. Like I found myself a couple days ago literally thanking God that I have air in my lungs. I, I was. It just, it just hit me. I was like, thank you, God. And I just thank Him for little small things. It doesn't have to be the big things. Start with the little. Open your Bible. Second thing. Open your Bible. Spend some time reading it. And I bet you that, you know, like as you listen and as you sense and as you hear things, uh, feel free to, to, to check it against the word. See if this is from God or not. Uh, the third thing is wait on God. Listen some more. I know this is hard for me. It's hard for a lot of you to wait on God. You guys are just so quickly to, 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 to like vomit all your prayers and all your needs to God. This is not a microwave thing where you just hit a button and 30 seconds later, the coffee is warm. It's not. Learn to be patient and wait on God. Sometimes people like hear a voice and sometimes they see a picture. Sometimes you get a sense, but always the word speaks and nothing else goes against what the word says. Uh, The more you know the word, and practice listening as you practice. It's not a one-time shot. You gotta practice listening for God, the more you're able to not only hear but discern the voice of God. So story about uh, listening to God, I remember this, I was very uncomfortable. We we were praying for this person and I was asked to come and join praying for this person and I, I was the only one in there that did not know this person. And I'm only saying this person is because I don't have the uh, permission to say the name because they might be watching or they might be here. Uh, and then everybody around just seems like they were praying for uh, the same theme for this uh, person. And then when it came to my time to pray, and I was like, I-, "I don't know this person, God. what do you have to say for this person?" And I just kept like praying things that were not related and they were not in the same general theme that the other people were praying. And I was just praying about this and I am praying about the, the spouse situation. I was praying about their faith, where they're at. And I just, I felt like a moron. I felt like, what did I just say? I'm gonna like slip out and leave. And, 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 and that prayer did not resonate to that person in, in the moment. And then I literally met this uh, person maybe two or three months later. And then they came and they found me and they are like, I want to tell you something. I said, do you, do you remember me? I said, yes, I do. Do you remember what you prayed for me? I was like, I do. Because I literally went home and I felt like I was a moron. Um, and then this person was telling me, this, this is what God did for, for this person in their uh, marriage, in their workplace, in their faith place. And this person was thriving in so many amazing things. <laughs> Oh, I went home. I gotta tell you, I, 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 that was all God. I told, I told, I, was, I told this person, it was all God because I literally went home and I beat myself up, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can never look at this person ever again." But God used used me for that person to tell them that He knows them and He sees them. So this obeying thing is really hard. It's really hard for me, <laughs> actually. So we're gonna talk about the second point. We obey God, that's your second point. To be able to have a, a spirit-filled a Philip kind of life, the second point is we obey God. And I'm preaching to myself here, guys. It's really hard for me. I mean, I know I obey God in certain things, but not always. Um, we can know all the verses and all the scripture that talk about that, but that's, it's, it's really hard, especially when you, it makes you step into the unknown. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, This cool thing about Philip here is that he doesn't hesitate. He's told, he gets up, and he goes. He actually, he runs into the chariot. That's some serious fate. Man, I want to be like that. I want to be like that guy. So just to, um, what could help us put this obeying thing into perspective, and that's the thing that I, I dwell on, that's the thing I keep my eyes focused on is that when we obey, our obedience acknowledge his supremacy over our life. Uh, our obedience acknowledge that he is God over everything. Over that thing that we are having a hard time obeying. He is God over that. Our obedience takes our listening and puts it into action. And our obedience is also a sign of our maturity in Christ as Christians as we draw closer and closer to him, his desires, that's the result, his desires become more and more ours. Amen. God does not call us to to obey him on our own. No, he gives us he gives us Him. We can turn to Him and say, Lord, help us with this. And you know, the best and most beautiful thing that I, it's been true for me in this church is that we have each other. I have brothers here that I can rely on and ask for help and ask them to pray for me and with me about things that I'm having a hard time obeying God on. So praise God for the church. <clears throat> Third point is that how can we live off this kind of life? is that we put the needs of others before self-interest. It tells us on verses 34 and 35, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. This was not a time to debate him. This was not a time to argue with him this was not a time for philip to show off this was not a time for philip to vomit his resume out on this guy and tell him all like tell him that he was chosen by the apostles tell him that he just came from samaria and had this amazing move of god that was not a time for that you know what philip did he said what do you have here this scripture we're going to we're going to use this scripture to talk about jesus and jesus alone He met the eunuch right where he was at. He did not push his agenda, but acted in care for the eunuch, but in service to Jesus. His eyes the whole time were on Jesus. Yet, he is meeting this need here, but ultimately he was serving Jesus. I got to tell you a story uh, that uh, I have this... uh, I had this person in my life that had some serious and rough experiences. I mean, it was like sibling after sibling with with terminal cancer uh, diagnosis. uh, A really uh, rigid, uh, lifeless, uh, unforgiving uh, uh, church experience. Not good stuff, not good stuff that you want to be living or going through. And every time I or anybody talked about uh, what we do in a church, or even like when the name of Jesus ever came up in any kind of conversation, uh, we see this person's whole demeanor change. There was a lot of bitterness, there was a lot of hurt. And my first approach, and I've done this mistake for a, a, a while, is that I was defending Jesus, I was defending Christianity, and I was trying to like. I was trying to give the solution to the problems. And you know, that went like a lead balloon. Like it it wasn't going anywhere. There was just so much, um, this person was just so numb to everything. And then I changed my behavior and I changed my attitude and and I just started to listen. And I, I needed to listen. And I needed to hear what were the obstacles to this person, the obstacles to Jesus in this person's life. And not just worry about presenting the solution. Do you, do you know sometimes you're talking to somebody, your spouse or friend or, or somebody, and you just cannot wait for them to stop talking so that you can tell them the solution? Raise your hand. I mean, uh, yeah. That's what happens with me. But I changed it. I was like, oh, this thing is never working. Um, I don't know. I'm going to try the other thing. Um, and I'm not saying here not by listening only that you would dodge the gospel. No, we need to see where God is moving and partner with him in order to make this person feel that they're known and they're loved by us and ultimately by God. This is what Philip did. Philip came and just partnered with what God has already been doing in the eunuch's life uh, And when I finally got to hear my friend, I I could see where God was uh, working. Ultimately, Jesus was not the obstacle. He was not. It was the actions of other people that were associated with the church that this person was at. Where the damage had been done. Uh, Here's the difference. With the eunuch though. He kept inquiring. He kept seeking. He was not phased. Damage will be done in your life is only a matter of time. Uh, There will be people, even Christians will do wrong by you. Uh, There will be things that could drive a wedge between you and God. And and my prayer for you and my prayer for my friend that is just like the eunuch, that we keep on seeking God even when that happens. And it's hard. But I want to be very clear about this. Because if we don't pay attention, we could screw and mess some things up. Like, we ought to serve our neighbor and listen to them and love them. It does not mean that we get to change the gospel to fit their current need. Because guess what, guys? That's the only hope and that's the only solution for them that can save them. Amen? And so as so Philip wasn't the only person that God was using, that God was working on to do what God intended to do. So the second character we're gonna be talked, uh, with, uh, uh, talked about is the eunuch. So point B, the eunuch's faith-filled life shows us how God is pursuing us even when we don't appear worthy. So generally, think of eunuchs, Uh, Are males that have been uh, castrated for the purpose of keeping and preserving the female royalty. Uh, So, this was a job, right? Like, uh, I'm thinking for a second here. This is a job, this is a uh, high paying job. You had to be cut off if you're a male or castrated to get this job. So, when you when this guy went and applied for that job, there, has, there had to be like a box there that he had to check to say, sign me up. When am I going to go for the second interview? <laughs> like, that's loyalty. That, that he really wanted this job. Unless, unless it was in the fireprint and he didn't find out until later on. Until he signed the contract and it's like, oh, there was this. Little thing that you've missed on, let's go next door and make, take care of things. <laughs> now, this particular Ethiopian eunuch, he believed in the God of Israel, we're told. Because he went... So, so commentary uh, uh, scholars will say that this journey could be anywhere between 800 and 1700 miles from where he was at, the kingdom of Ethiopia, all the way to Jerusalem. That is four, three to four months long journey in the desert to get to Jerusalem to worship the God of Israel. He's loyal. We know this. His heart is the right place. Except that when there's a problem here because there's a law in Deuteronomy 23.1 in Leviticus that says that no one whose testicles are crushed, or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. That's a problem there in the law. So despite this law, this guy still makes that journey. Despite this law, I mean, your body had to, be, it had to have no uh, physical deficiencies to enter to worship. Yet this guy was still committed to make that long journey. Only to be told at the gate that he can't come in. And, uh, and then if you look at the temple, it's surrounded by a wall. There's about 12 gates. And this guy probably did not like the answer from this gate. So he goes to the second gate. And he's told the same thing. And I tell you, man, if you made four-month-long journey in the desert to get there, you probably went to every single gate trying to get in. And you're told over and over the same answer. No. Rejection. You don't belong here. You're not worthy. You don't appear worthy based on your physical state. Which brings us to the uh, first point there. How is the eunuch's life is faith-filled? And I'm going to tell you something. Every time you hear me say eunuch, uh, think of it as I'm talking about uh, somebody who is earnestly seeking God. And every time I talk about Philip, is I'm talking about somebody who is faithfully serving God. Just think of that as we go on and continue these points. So point number one, the eunuch still looks for God even when the world closed the doors. It tells us, uh, verse 28, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. After all the rejection, after everything that happened, his disappointment did not affect his faith. His, His disappointment did not affect the desires for him to, he knows there was something there for him. He did not play victim. He had every reason to do so. Like if that was 2021 and that was happening, he'll be in every single news outlet. There'll be a GoFundMe page for this guy. All the uh, human rights organizations in the world will back this guy up and say, how dare you do that for this guy? That's what's been happening. But he did not play victim. It did not face him. Like, I know when I struggle to put the straw in the Capri Sun juice thing for my kids, I'm ready to lose my religion. I am yelling, I am screaming, and I, I, I tell April, I am going to go to the farthest Dunkin' Donut drive through just to cool off. Like I, uh, like I don't have what this guy has. So pray for me. And I want this honestly today, I want this for you. I want you to have what this guy had. That no matter what you've been through, the, no matter what the world has been thrown at you, you will be faced by something. But my prayer is that you keep seeking God earnestly. And pray this prayer for the friend, for the spouse. For the coworker, for the neighbor that you know, and you want them to come to know Christ, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep asking God. God will keep asking God to open new doors, things that you have not tried. The eunuch here represents uh, uh, those who have been castrated or cut off from society or from the church. But sometimes, like people do that on their selves, like they choose to do that. It's kind of like a defense mechanism, right? Or it's been forced on them to be excluded. Some of you here or watching believe that you can never be good enough, clean enough, uh, Christian enough, forgiven enough to even come to the church, let alone consider Jesus as the only way. Some of you believe that. And I got to tell you, I I hear this in the south coast, like every time we do an outreach there. I meet people all the time, new people. And they keep telling me that, you know, they're listening. Because because of your faithful giving and generosity, we have not lost any step or any momentum when COVID hit in March 2020. we kept broadcasting, and we opened the doors as soon as we could have, and people kept coming in, and people kept watching us. I'm talking. This is, I'm I'm talking about Catholic people. I'm talking about ex-Catholics who go to a different church. They are watching us. They continue to watch us. Hello, guys. Remember me from two weeks ago? I, I kid you not. They're watching, and they tell me, you know that guy? They're talking about Pastor Tim. I mean, I don't like what he says sometimes, but I kind of like it. So I, I'm watching. <laughs> there, there uh, last time, last uh, uh, we did the Thanksgiving drive, and this couple j- uh, drove towards the end, and they went to uh, another group, and they were trying to find me to tell me this very thing. They didn't come for the box and the food. They came to tell me that they go to a different church, that they've been watching us since March 2020, that they have not missed one sermon. On Sunday, on TV, because they watch us on TV, she told me all the sermons and all the sermon series we've been doing, and she's there to tell me, we're praying for you guys. We cannot wait for you guys to come here. And by the way, we're ex-Catholic. We go to this church. We're not going to leave the church. But guess what? If you open a Saturday night service, we might be there and bring some other people. Yeah, that's what's happening in South Coast. Genuine Christians are not people who think that uh, they have it all together. They're not. They're just, they know that they can never be good enough. But there's a, here's, the, here's the thing. They know that Jesus' blood shed for them was more than enough. This is not a museum for saints. Uh, you've heard Pastor Tim said that before. We are hospital for sinners. If you think you're not good enough, thank God for you. You are in the perfect place. The second thing about the eunuch, because we got to get going, the eunuch is willing to explore the resources God has put in front of him. And then if you read along from verses 31 to 34, he tells him, how can I understand this stuff unless someone guides me? Unless someone comes and have a Bible study with me and explain to me this stuff, how can I? Do you expect me to understand this? And then the second question he asks him, Okay, we just read the Isaiah 53 verses seven and eight. That's the scripture that we're reading. That's a prophecy about Jesus as he goes to the cross. It tells him, "How about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else? Man, <clears> they <throat> could not have been orchestrated any more beautifully because he's reading the, the, the verses that talk about Jesus going to the cross. And then Philip comes on and says, do you understand what he's talking about? What are you reading? He says, no explain this to me and he comes and starting with that scripture he explains everything with him it could not have been perfectly orchestrated because it was all about jesus that verse don't you wish you always had an answer for somebody and explain to them what the bible says but just like God was preparing Philip for this encounter back then when he was waiting on tables and going to the widows and saying, Did you, are you outside? Do you have food? Can I help you? Can I serve you? God was working and preparing this eunuch. He was doing the same thing for the eunuch. He was stirring his heart. The harvest in that moment in that field was ripe. And Philip was God's agent in that already ripe field. This was not Philip's idea. This was God's idea. And all that Philip has done, he says, Yes, I'll go. And I'm there. This was God's plan from the beginning. So what are the resources that God offered him? Offered the eunuch? uh, Offer offering us right now is do you have a Bible? Do you have a Bible study? Do you have a phone? If you have a phone, you should have a Bible app. Uh, And set yourself with the devotional 10 to 15 minutes every day it will set you up for the best day of your life. You know why? Because take it from my experience, when I skip a day or two, I have the worst day and the worst week of my life. Trust me. Are you watching Tim's show, The Deep Dive, where he is teaching you verse by verse in the book of Romans, this is season five. And all you need is a phone. You go on YouTube, you go on Facebook and you watch. It's like, let, this is how I look at it. Let Pastor Tim be your Philip, And invite him into your chariot, invite him into your, your house. So you can have literally all you need is a phone and you can have Pastor Tim shows up every Tuesday and every Wednesday and teach you the Bible in your own time at your own house. How do you like that option? You guys didn't look excited for that. I hope he's not listening or watching this message. <clears throat> the second thing is, um, have you taken some of the classes that we, we, we run over here? Uh, honestly, I see this every time I'm running the class or somebody else running the class and I hear it from uh, Chris, our pastoral care director. It could be the best 20 to 30 minutes that you can spend. Literally. It will help you get connected. It will help you to get to know who we are, what makes us tick and how we can just keep on loving and serving people in this church. Are you in a small group? Are you meeting regularly with people outside of Sunday to pray with, to pray for? If not, do it today. Don't waste time, guys. You're missing out. And I don't want you. Because I know how good that was for me. And I know that how, how good that was for so many of you guys. And I know how many of you guys actually are not in small group. So do it today, go and say, that guy was yelling at us about small group, how can I get into one that's closer to me? Do it, go get fed guys. The third point here, how can we have this kind of uh, life from the eunuch is that the eunuch, again, the, eager, the, the, the earnestly seeking person was joyfully and urgently respond to his rebirth by getting baptized. It says that as they were going on verses 36 and 38, Along the road they came to some water. Mind you, they were in the desert. And the minute this guy sees water, he says, hey, Philip, there's water there. I want to get baptized. What prevents me from doing it right here, right now? And as he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. This is so cool. This is not a unique situation in Acts. It happens all throughout Acts. Every time somebody comes to know Christ, they get baptized instantly, immediately. Nobody prayed about it. Nobody had to weigh the pros and cons about it. They just did it immediately. I can relate to this guy. When, when I had my first encounter with Jesus and I, I came from a Muslim background, I could not wait to find out more. So I called a church. I knew, the only reason I knew because it was a landmark in Boston and it was next to a major red line stop. So I called and I wanted to speak to somebody and uh, they told me that it was the holiday season and then they can set me up with an appointment next week and I, I wasn't going to take that for an answer. I wanted an appointment soon. And just for selfish reason, they they don't know this, but I, the next day was my day off, so I want an appointment the next day. Because I, I couldn't wait, I was so eagerly to find out more about Jesus. And, and, and I kept coming into services and then the, the senior pastor uh, found out that I wanted to get baptized and guess what? We did not wait for the next time they ran the baptism class. We just had a baptism class in his office because that same weekend I got baptized. And the, and the service was live on radio. And they gave me eight minutes to talk. And so 25 minutes later, I had to give the microphone because everybody, I could see steam come out of people's heads. That's what happens when God rocks your world. You are thirsty. You are hungry. You are starving. And he fills you up. The equivalent of what happened with the eunuch and Philip today is that some of you today will get touched by the Holy Spirit, get saved, and you come out and you say, where is this Chris guy? There's a tank over there. I want to get baptized now. That's what would happen normally, but it's not 2,000 years ago. It's 2021. So uh, see, God pairs them for a purpose. If you follow along in the notes, follow along in the notes. What is this purpose? I can't help but to think that they have both benefited from, the, from this experience. They have both equally benefited from it. First point that he blesses the eunuch, the seeker, by accepting him into the kingdom. Everything that God does, everything that, everything that God does has a purpose and it's always a good one. This is the part of the story that teaches us that for the eunuch that God knows he, he needs to hear the message of salvation and he sends someone who's willing to meet his urgency. The second point is that he blesses Philip, the obedient believer, by allowing him to partner with him to experience kingdom miracles. It says that when they came out of the water, of verses 39, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more. And he did not go look for him he went on his way rejoicing that's the part of the my title message about how to teleport that was there do you guys catch that don't ask me the only answer i have for you is you want to teleport maybe try to live a life like philip see what god does and if he doesn't do it send me an email and we'll talk about it some more after all, uh, being saved and seeing someone uh, go to the waters of baptism, that's nothing short of a miracle. And that's what God was doing in Philip. He was making him live and see miracles happen. Because people literally, we hear stories upon stories, people sometimes literally get saved. And we know that they spiritually get saved. And so we're told that he went on his way, how? Rejoicing. Which brings us to the last point. Actually, he did more than rejoicing. The church historian tells us that that 36 million people from the Orthodox Christian faith in that part of the world trace their heritage, trace their church movement back to this eunuch guy who's castrated, who's cut off, who cannot have kids. But now millions of people call him the father of the faith. Do you see how God uses what the world see as a hindrance to bless you? With millions of, of people saying that I am here because of what that guy did despite the limitations that he had. He lets Philip on the miraculous. That's how you influence people. Once you're saved, once you're saved, you're commissioned to reach others and it starts with what? And it starts with the one, for the sake of the one. When we reach out to others different than us, that look different than us, speak different than us, it helps sets in motion the salvation of the multitudes. We don't know what God can do. We, We know that God controls the ripple effect, amen? What I love about this church is that we don't settle for a large crowd and big buildings. We don't, we're we're not content with that. That's not what makes us tick. We're starting a church in South Coast very, very soon. And, uh, And if you wanted to witness life change and miracles and amazing, crazy stories, partner with us. One of the ways you could do is that next weekend you can bring your best offering and say, I wanna be part of the miracle. I wanna see amazing things happen in the name of Jesus in that part of the world. So do that. You'll see people rededicate rededicate their life as adults to Christ. Sermon in the sentence, and as you stand up, I'll ask you guys to all stand up. Sermon in the sentence is, the kingdom advances through obedient people who've been prepared by God. So what is stopping you? What's stopping you?